Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast with Tiny Ray Fox. I am your host, Tiny Ray Fox, and we are less than one week from the first game of week one of the NFL 2021 season. It feels like we've been counting down to this forever, even though, as we've talked about before, time has become an endless loop. It is it is a, is a circle. I don't, you know, the 2020 season came and went. It's like sometimes I have to even remind myself who played in the Super Bowl six months ago because it's just time is crazy. But here we are not only entering week one with optimism and excitement. Everybody's team has an equal shot at this point. You know, theoretically, everybody is in the running to be in the playoffs, to play in the Super Bowl. And this is when people are the sort of most optimistic about their chances and what their, the future of their teams may be. And for Patriots fans, the optimism has taken a twist because in an unexpected turn of events, Cam Newton was cut and Bill Belichick made Mac Jones the official starter for the New England Patriots for the 2021 season and ostensibly beyond. So of course, I will give you my reaction to that news and my reaction to a few of the comments Bill Belichick made about uh, vaccination in the NFL that I felt a little conflicted about, maybe more than a little bit conflicted. I also want to get into, as we prepare for week one, next Sunday, the Patriots take on the Dolphins. So we want to talk about a little bit about like beginning next week, but also season long, the three things the Patriots are going to need to do to succeed with a rookie quarterback. You guys know. I am not the biggest fan of the team having to start a rookie quarterback. Um, However, as we've talked about, we were talking about what they would do, even if Cam were still on the team. And if Mac was the vaccinated player, you know, if he was going to start, what would that look like? I mean, we've been thinking about this for a while. So this is the reality we're going into the season with. It is not completely unprecedented for a team to succeed with a rookie quarterback. We know that, but there are some things that need to happen. It is not a question. Things that need to happen for Mac to succeed uh, and help lead the Patriots to a playoff appearance, which is what Patriots fans want. It is what they expect. And it is certainly what Bill Belichick is going to aim for this season after all of the money he spent, after all of the success he has had with the young players on the team in preseason. And of course, with the um, sort of battle with Brady underlining everything that's been going on since Brady left the team, he's trying to succeed without Brady. And he clearly believes Mac is capable of doing that, um, or at the very least, he is hoping against all odds that he's capable of doing that. So we will get into the three things they need to do to make that happen. And the players and the units on the team that are going to be the most important to helping the Patriots get there with a rookie quarterback. And then as per usual, we'll close out the show with some fun thoughts. This week, we have more updated Jeopardy news and and how it highlights the difference between canceling and cancel culture and public and corporate accountability uh, by people in the public eye. So I really, it's going to be Jeopardy related, of course, but there is a larger story to take away from all of that. And I want to get into that with you as well. Hot stuff coming up. 
course, as always, we're going to start with the big Patriots news. Cam Newton is gone. He is off the team. He is cut. Mac Jones is the starter, and he has the full support of the team and the coaches. And this is it's the Mac Jones era. It's Mac Jones season officially. This was a weird rollout of this news, right? Like uh, if a few months ago, someone had told you that this would happen, you'd be like, okay, like that kind of makes sense. Obviously like Cam didn't look better. Obviously things weren't working out. And so they're going with the rookie. That's why they drafted him. But considering the way things have gone throughout the off season into training camp, into preseason, it was surprising because Bill Belichick had reiterated multiple times that Cam was the starter. He had started him in each of the three preseason games, including the most recent one after Mac had impressed in that practice with the Giants. And after that preseason game, you know, go back, look at all the columns and the tweets. For the most part, after that final preseason game against the Giants, despite Mac having a ton of reps and a lot of work in that game, there seemed to be this coming to terms with the fact that Cam would be the starter and Belichick said it over and over again. McDaniels has, has intimated it. And although they are clearly very high on Mac, they keep giving Cam the start. Cam looks better. His arm is stronger. His footwork's improved. He looks more comfortable in the system. All of the things that we heard over and over again. And then before we knew it, he was cut from the team. I mean, this wasn't even, Hey, we're naming Mac the starter. Cam's the backup. Like that would have been one thing, but Cam's gone. Backup is Brian Hoyer as we speak. And it is not the outcome that anyone expected, regardless of what anyone tells you. There's going to be a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking about how this all went down, but nobody really expected it to go this way, especially considering the way Belichick spoke about the two quarterbacks heading into the, even the day before he was cut. So what happened? Well, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of credence to the idea that Cam perhaps didn't want to back up Mac. I have no idea. He hasn't said that and no one has reported that he said that, but it does make the most sense because we know there's a competitive advantage to starting a vaccinated quarterback. And Mac is, if he's vaccinated, which by all accounts he is based on the protocols and mask wearing situations and stuff like that, he is the safer bet competitively and the more he starts and the earlier he can get into a rhythm, the better off he'll be as the, as the season goes on. Cam was a liability. Obviously, we saw that with him having to be kept out of the facilities for five days because of testing mishaps. So competitive advantage, Bill Belichick never gives that up. He never gives up the opportunity for a competitive advantage. So it's very easy to just look at this and say, you know, this is a guy who he couldn't 100% rely on, regardless of how much better he was doing in the offense, regardless of his veteran experience and leadership and all that stuff. There is this issue. Um, it didn't seem to be a personality thing or an issue in a locker room or anything like that. That never came out. There was never any reporting that there were any major issues on that front. But Belichick himself has since downplayed the sort of at least personal importance to him about vaccinations. Now, I don't know if this was to avoid any eyebrow raising from the NFLPA. I really don't know. Um, but his comments were a little bit eyebrow raising, and I want to address them in reference to this whole situation. So Belichick was asked about uh, whether or not Cam's vaccination status played a role in him getting cut. And part of his response was, quote, your implication that the vaccination solves every problem has not been substantiated. The number of players and coaches and staff members who have been infected with COVID after being vaccinated is a pretty high number. I wouldn't lose sight of that, end quote. 
So first of all, no one's ever said it's a cure-all or that it solves every problem. But it is very, very clear that based on even just the league protocols, set the science and the medical proof that COVID vaccination vastly, vastly decreases your chances of getting sick and dying from the disease. There, the NFL protocols themselves make vaccination a much better option for any team. Um, so this is clearly a more sort of moral uh, existential belief of Bill Belichick's than it is a uh, reaction to NFL protocol. And it was the, the comments were really unnecessary and irresponsible because the insinuation that vaccination doesn't solve every problem sort of downplays the importance of vaccination in keeping a healthy team on the field all year and healthy people on the field and in your facilities all year. You know, on Twitter, I compared it to saying that wearing a seatbelt doesn't solve all your problems if you get into a, a car accident. And it's like, well, obviously, but it is going to stop you from going through a windshield and potentially dying. And it is going to help you stay safe in a, in a crisis situation. Could you still get hurt? Is your car still going to get smashed up? Sure. But there's a lot of benefits to it that are very obvious, which is why we do it. It's been proven over and over again. So diminishing that, you know, someone doesn't wear their seatbelt and goes through a windshield and you say, well, uh, not wearing a seatbelt doesn't solve all your problems. It's like, well, it would have solved that one. So I don't know what his point there was. If he's, if this is just posturing, if he wanted to distract the media and distract the people asking him this question from finding out what really happened with Mac and Cam. But at the end of the day, it doesn't appear, at least from what he has said, that it, that Cam's vaccination status was a, was a game changer. And that tracks, right? Because he had Cam on this teams taking starting reps all training camp and preseason. So if it was really that big of a deal to him, I feel like things, you know, Mac would have gotten the nod a little bit earlier on. I know he wanted Mac to feel the pressure and the competition of having a veteran starter competing with him for the job, but come on, you know, I mean, this isn't, it, Cam didn't all of a sudden become a mismatch for the team and, you know, the locker room and their ideals and all that stuff in a matter of a week. Sure, maybe the NFL protocol keeping him out for five days highlighted the complications moving forward, but it doesn't necessarily explain why you wouldn't want him as a backup on your team. It seems like all things considered, Belichick's not afraid of the virus taking out the team, um, even if he maybe should be, but keeping Cam on the team gives you probably the best backup quarterback in the league, and he's cheap. You're not paying him anything. And he wants an opportunity to play. So there's just, it makes me feel like he didn't see Cam either being capable of being a backup or playing that role successfully, or that Cam simply didn't want to do it. Again, that those are assumptions that we don't know that for sure. At the end of the day, Mac is the starter. And that is, it's, it's great in, in some ways because you're, we're just going to get right into the Mac Jones era. We're going to start getting him. I know a lot of my followers disagreed with me in terms of wanting Cam to start because they wanted to see what Matt can do. They just want to get the rookie out there and start getting him the reps and start getting him the, the game experience. And he's going to get that now, regardless of what I would have liked to see, like that's what's going to happen. And rookies start games, rookies start seasons. So here we are and it's happening. And Matt, by all in all accounts, you know, from everyone I trust in Patriots media, uh, has shown the maturity and the ability to rise to the occasion 
emotionally and seems comfortable in stressful situations. And that is huge, of course. However, every single team with a rookie quarterback has limitations. Every single one. And we are talking about a rookie quarterback who is physically already limited. He has good pocket presence. He gets the ball out quick. He is generally accurate. I am not saying he is not a good quarterback or that he can't succeed in the NFL or that anybody has to be supremely mobile to succeed in the NFL. A lot of the best work that Lamar Jackson did in his MVP season was from the pocket. Surprisingly good thrower. Patrick Mahomes is mostly doing work in the pocket, moving around in the pocket. He's not a running quarterback. Um, even Josh Allen, a lot of what he did last year to really rise to the next level was work within the pocket. So obviously Mac has the capability to do that. However, his physical limitations are there. He is not the biggest guy. He does not have the strongest arm. He is not fast. He is not mobile. Okay. Doesn't mean he can't be great, but there are limitations there. He will be a game manager early on as a quarterback. That is fine. And he will develop as that goes on. But rookie quarterbacks with physical limitations are going to need specific things from their team. And that's what I want to get into with you now. Hot stuff coming up. There are three key things that I see the Patriots needing to do, needing to have in order for Mac Jones to succeed as a rookie quarterback and for more importantly, for the Patriots to succeed with a rookie quarterback. The first one is that the Patriots defense has to be elite. Elite, not good, not above average, elite. This team has to be one of the best defenses in the league in order for Mac Jones to probably make the playoffs, but certainly in order for the team to win a playoff game. Here's a little bit of the history of rookie, recent history of rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. Since 2000, 12 rookie quarterbacks had 12 plus starts with an 85 plus passer rating. And five of them led their team to the playoffs and a winning record. These are the five. Robert Griffin III, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, and Big Ben. Okay, so what all of those guys have in common that Mac does not is extensive starting experience in college. 41, 50, 49, 40, 38 games starting. All of them with at least 1,150 pass attempts in college. Okay, Mac Jones played 30 games and had 556 passing attempts in college. He is not of the same type of rookie quarterback that those guys were. So... We kind of have to okay, say, all right, what are the expectations for this guy as a good to potentially above average passer as a rookie um, with, as, with the limited amount of experience that he has in college compared to the other guys who really succeeded? So then you look at some other quarterbacks that have made the playoffs in their rookie season who either weren't as prolific in college or had less impressive rookie seasons personally, but just ended up making the playoffs. So in that group, we look to Andrew Luck, who, of course, yeah, he apparently he didn't have an 85 passer rating his rookie season, but duh, Andrew Luck. Uh, Andy Dalton, Mark Sanchez, and Joe Flacco. And of that group, Luck, Dalton, Sanchez, Flacco, Big Ben, Matt Ryan, Dak, Wilson, and RG3. Of that group, the two who won playoff games in their rookie season, Big Ben and Mark Sanchez. Something they both had in common were elite defenses. 
When Andy Dalton made the playoffs as a rookie, he had the number four defense in the league. When Mark Sanchez made the playoffs as a rookie, he had the number one defense in the league. When Joe Flacco made the playoffs as a rookie, he had the number two defense in the league. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all of the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. That's promo code NFL100. So regardless of where you think Mac is going to fall, if he's going to be one of those great passers, um, if he's going to overcome his limited experience in college and, and have a, a Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan type rookie season, he still is going to need an elite defense to win a playoff game. The defense is the most important thing, is the most important aspect of this team with a rookie bar none. And to that effect, one of the most important aspects of getting this defense to the next level is getting back Stefan Gilmore because the defensive backs, unlike in years recent past is the weaker group on the defense right now. JC, ja- you have JC Jackson as the number one corner. And then after that, it is a toss up. And that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be guys that step up, but we're talking about needing elite defense in 2021. And that means having a very strong secondary. The, the pass rush, the f- whole front seven is overhauled. They look great. The linebackers are healthy. Dante Hightower, Lawrence Guy, all the young guys, bringing in Matthew Judon. You have Josh Uche and Chase Winovich, the Michigan guys who have opportunities to really step up. All of the, all of the, the front seven guys, the linebacker group, the defensive ends, the pass rushers, the, ed- the guys setting the edge, that they look like a really solid group, the best the Patriots have had in a long time. And that is um, huge. But without Stefan Gilmore, they are missing, in my opinion, that extra piece that gives them that final little piece of the puzzle that gives them the chance to have a top three NFL defense. And at the very least, at the very least, giving Mac all the credit in the world, this team needs to have a top five defense in order to even win a playoff game. And that is what Belichick is trying to do this year. They're trying to win a playoff game. Absolutely. He's got, he's got work to do in the, in the battle with Tom Brady. He's trying to win a playoff game. So that's the first thing we absolutely 100% need to see from the Patriots is elite defense. And they will get a chance to kind of show off what they have in comparison to Brian Flores' defense in week one against the Dolphins. And that brings me to number two, which is Josh McDaniels and how he utilizes Mac Jones offensively. As I said, Mac Jones, at from what we have seen so far, is going to be a game manager. His, his mental ability to stay focused, to be able to run the hurry up, to be able to stay comfortable in the pocket, quick release, accurate 
reads and throws, all of that stuff is going to be his bread and butter this year, which puts a lot of onus on Josh McDaniels to set him up for success every step of the way. Mac, as a rookie, is going to have limitations. We just talked about how Andrew Luck, one of the best rookies to ever come into the NFL, still had limitations as a rookie with all of his college experience, all the passes he'd made in college heading into his season with the Colts. And they, you know, and he didn't have an elite defense. And so he didn't win a playoff game. But in this particular situation, if this defense is doing their job, if special teams is doing their job, then really it, you know, Mac is, is really just 50% of a two person team that has to be really running that quarterback spot. And Josh McDaniels has to be able to not only set Mac up for success, but be a little more creative with those running backs that they have. The running backs are clearly going to be the cog in the offensive wheel that really makes it move. Damian Harris has all the capabilities to be a real number one back for the team, but they have James White, J.J. Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson. This is a group with a lot of dynamic playmakers at that space. They may not all be true, obvious number one guys, the kind of like players that we see, the Alvin Kamaras and Christian McCaffrey's. We don't, I mean, I really think Damian Harris has the capability to be that guy. And I think he will have the chance to step up this season, but they are going to be the thing that makes this offense work. It goes without saying that every single quarterback in the league needs a good offensive line. The, and Mac has one. Mac has a good offensive line. They don't need to be, you know, uh, that, that, that doesn't need to necessarily be said. But the, the weight McDaniels bears as a play caller and a play designer in 2021 with a rookie quarterback and the running backs that he has, and now with a couple of tight ends and a couple more receivers, a downfield threat, this now is the time for him to break some of that mold, some of that staleness that he got into in 2018 and 2019 in the back end of the Tom Brady years and start to really understand that creative play calling and putting your rookie quarterback in situations where they can succeed are two sides of the same coin in order for this offense to work. The third most important thing they're going to have to do is play well at home. And the tough thing about playing well at home early on is that one of their home games is against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at Gillette. And this is, it, it seems like a stupid thing to put hinge an entire season on one game, but the game against the Buccaneers is really going to tell the story of their season, whether we like it or not. So they have to approach it that same way as well. Winning that game is obviously the goal, but more importantly, they just have to play well. I have always had concerns about the idea of putting a rookie in that spot to have to play against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at Gillette. Brady's first game back since leaving the Patriots is going to be a complete and utter mental chess match for Mac Jones. And he doesn't even know it yet. I'm sure he's taking it one day at a time as he should, not overthinking it, not looking ahead that far. I hope that's what he's doing. But at the end of the day, the it's, it's going to be the most pressure that a rookie has had that early in the season in a long time. I mean, maybe in recent, I can't remember the last time a rookie will have had that much pressure on him in a game four of a season. It's a lot. And energy of the fans, that sort of conflicted, holy crap, Tom Brady's back in Gillette in another uniform 
after coming off of another Super Bowl win with another team and looking at those banners and seeing him there, it's going to be very emotional and that energy will be palpable in that stadium. If Mac can withstand that and if he can put himself in a position to play well in that game against Tom Brady, even if they don't win, that is huge. Winning that game, winning that game could set the tone for the entire season. Winning that game could be the thing that gets them the momentum they need to make a real, a real playoff run. You know, sports are emotional. We've seen it. You can't be a Patriots fan and have watched some of those games. Super Bowl 51, momentum, emotion, preparedness, that kind of stuff carries you a long way. And that game, just so much hinges on it. So much hinges on it. The distraction of it, the energy of it, the legacy of it, that's all going to weigh on that rookie quarterback. And he has thus far looked as composed as any rookie quarterback has looked um, in the group of this year. I mean, he has been the most composed and the most successful rookie quarterback of the first round that we've watched. And, and he deserves the benefit of the doubt. But let's be honest, we've never, this is a test we, we don't see. We don't see the GOAT who played somewhere for 20 years, who left and won a ring, come back and face their team in that stadium. That is the stadium Brady and Belichick built. Those banners, those are theirs. That is a huge moment. And if Max steps up in that moment, if he can weather that storm, I can't tell you how important that's going to be for the season, rest of the season. Statement game, talk about a statement game. Hell, I mean, a moral victory there would be enough. A moral victory. Hanging in there against Tom Brady would be enough. Winning it, that's, I can't even think about that right now. Winning that game, I can't even think about right now. Even a moral victory, Mac looks good, plays well, does his best, defense does their best, and they just get edged out. Okay, I'll, I'll even take that. But a real victory, that's a game changer. That's a season changer. That's a potential legacy changer. Don't underestimate what that game is going to mean, not just for the team record, two and two, three and one, whatever, but for the rest of the season and for Mac Jones' growth and mental fortitude as they progress on. I am telling you, those three things will be the most important aspects of this season for the Patriots. Bill Belichick has never started a season with a rookie quarterback in his time with the Patriots. The Patriots haven't really truly started a rookie quarterback for a season since Drew Bledsoe. This is completely uncharted territory. There are some many, many NFL fans who weren't alive when they last did this. So, you know, knowing that Mac can't do everything on his own, you start with the defense. They are the unit with the, with the veterans and the, and the young talent and the free agents that are really clicking the most. And they do have Stefan Gilmore there. They I, he's Belichick has got to figure it out with Stefan. Then you go to Josh McDaniels and, and he has got to step up as a play caller and a play designer for that rookie. And then that week four bucks game, it all, it's all building to there and it's all going to build from there. Shall we? Okay. And before we go, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Mike Richards. We've talked about him before the Jeopardy executive producer who was named the host and then withdrew from the competition because everybody was of course, incredibly skeptical of how that all went down. And it came out that he's kind of a scumbag has said some pretty crappy things in the past. People just didn't like him. They didn't connect with him, And he lost his opportunity to 
host to the show. However, he was originally going to be kept on as executive producer of both Jeopardy and Will of Fortune. That has since come to an end. Sony announced that he will be removed from both of those positions and replaced with a longtime uh, veteran producer in the meantime. So we are Mike Richards free over at Jeopardy. It is official. There, the report came out that there had been internal meetings and people had gone to Mike Richards to express their concern about way, the way things had been handled. It became very quickly clear to Sony that the setup of having this guy, this controversial executive producer who basically gave himself the hosting job was probably not going to work as they were look for a new host and still run the show. Of course that wasn't going to work. Um, the thing about this story that intrigues me the most and the point I want to make about it is that it's a really great example of the difference between cancel culture and accountability. And I think that they get conflated a lot. You know, a lot of, a lot of what we honestly observe as cancel culture as that like quick to judge this person sucks because of one thing they did thing is most of the, it's mostly exists on, on social media. And sometimes that can drive companies, employers, whatever, to take action against people. But for the most part, a lot of it is just like people on the internet have now decided they don't like you. And so they have canceled you, but there's very little consequence to a lot of that for famous people you know, not being liked for a few months or being, you know, whatever. That's just, just not it. Call it canceling, call it whatever you want. But this specific situation is kind of like that perfect mix of social media outrage and fan outrage combined with legitimate accountability from the people involved, the people at Jeopardy, the people at Sony, um, people who didn't want to hold this man accountable. But through really good reporting, Real outrage and concern from fans, real outrage and concern from coworkers and people at the show. That combination created a situation where somebody was removed from a position they didn't really deserve anymore and that they weren't qualified to do. And I, and I just wanted to point this out because it's better for Mike Richards that he is removed from this equation and in this situation. He was never going to be able to do that job effectively after everything that had, been, that had gone down. He's being held accountable for past actions he was not held accountable for, including the things he said on podcasts, including the way he treated people at prior shows he worked for. They removed him from a situation he was not going to be able to effectively work in. They have given Jeopardy a second chance to get this right post Alex Trebek. That's a win. And the fans feel like they have been held to account, that they've been heard. And that is a huge deal. And the reporting was in depth. It was honest. It was very, very well done. And so to see those things come together and effectively hold somebody accountable in a way that is um, not rash or over-emotional, but truly based on dozens of factors and really honest assessment of the situation is good. You know, it's, it's, we have to have these examples of genuine accountability so that we can tell the difference between someone being canceled for saying something one crappy thing one time uh, or tweeting something a long time ago and someone sort of having a history of ha these issues and then continuing to perpetuate those issues and continuing to create toxic work environments and everything else. You know, he's negotiating an exit with Sony. His life is not over. I am sure he will continue to get jobs. As I've said before, this is not a death knell. 
he's just losing these particular jobs for, for good reason. And that's always a good sign to see how this can play out effectively, how we can hold people accountable effectively and how it takes a village to do that. Unfortunately, we don't live in a world where successful white men are frequently held accountable. So these are the types of things that need to happen in order for that to, to you know, I mean, listen, Sony was going to fight it. You know, there were, there was a lot that had to go down for this to happen. And, you know, if we want to really hold people accountable and we really want to see change, yelling and screaming on the internet is only going to get us so far. Real thoughtful exchange about the issues with these people and really digging into what it is that's going on and why it's not okay. That is like the best thing that we can do in these times. It's the kind of stuff that Ronan Farrow has done with his reporting during Me Too and things like that. And this is another step in that direction in a different way, creating accountability in workspaces from people who abuse their power. So I just want to say, I think that that's a, it's a good outcome um, for everybody because we're not seeing someone have their life ruined. This is going down very cordially. We're seeing a show that we love continue to get the treatment that it deserves and the, the host search and the executive producer search that it deserves. And the fans are going to be able to enjoy whatever the next chapter is for the show. So it's win. It's a win for everybody. Everyone's okay. And we've set a, another good, we've set a standard. And that's a, that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Now we'll just have to wait and see how the host search plays out. Fingers crossed LeVar Burton gets another shot. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you again for listening. If you take nothing away from this podcast, please, please, please remember that regardless of how things go with Mac Jones and the Patriots this season, it's really important that everybody get through the year healthy and safe as best as possible. I'm not telling you how to feel about the pandemic or COVID or vaccination. I've learned that that's a useless game to play. You guys know where I stand on it, but more than anything, more than winning games, more than all of it, staying safe, staying healthy and keeping people in a, in a situation where they are not endangering themselves. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge part of the game that the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and all of these other leagues really have to be taking into consideration. And it's something we really, I don't want to lose sight of as we get excited to have our favorite sport back. So just keep that in mind. Thank you again for taking the time to be here with me. I'm glad this uh, episode was a little lighter and more fun. And I will look forward to checking in with you guys next week before game one. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.